Listener Production. Hi, I'm Rosie Waterland. This is Mum Says My Memoir Is A Lie. You will learn how to be a functioning adult and realise you don't care about being a functioning adult. When you're 27 years old and you realise you have no clue how to post a letter, it's obvious something has gone very wrong somewhere along the line. I suppose spending a childhood begging my mum to stop drinking and put on some pants, followed by an early adulthood imprisoned by mental health issues, didn't help. But you can't exactly use that as an excuse when an exasperated postal worker looks like they're about to punch you in the face. I had somehow, against all odds, made it to my late 20s, but there were just some things I had missed along the way. How to post a letter was one of them. I realised my cluelessness not long after starting at Mamma Mia, when I was one day required to perform the complex, mind-boggling task of sending an actual physical letter through an actual physical facility. It was all because of some stupid form that needed my stupid original signature. Trust me, I tried to worm my way around that requirement for weeks and needed it posted via snail mail ASAP. Fine, I thought, I'll head to the post office. How hard could it be? I've returned stuff to ASOS before. ASOS understands that most of their clientele deal exclusively in email, so they make snail mail easy. They give you a sticker with an address on it that you just stick on a bag and give to a person who knocks at your door. What happens from there is a mystery to me, but ASOS emails me when they get the returned items, so I assume it all works. ASOS has lulled me into a false sense of security that sending things in the mail was easy. I looked in my current envelope, the one the form had come in. They'd included no sticker. There was some letter that had an address on it and instructions for sending my signed form to that address, except there was no .com at the end of it, so I was confused. I figured I'd just wing it. When I got to the post office, I had a vague idea of what I would need, a stamp and an envelope. But did people really actually just buy one stamp and one envelope? Or was this a bulk purchasing situation? I took a slow, hesitant walk around the shop. I eventually found envelopes, but no stamps. This stumped me. I figured it would be easier to just line up and have the post office people deal with this complex problem. When I arrived at the counter, the following exchange took place. Me. Um, I need to post a letter, counter lady. There are post boxes outside. You don't need to line up. Me. Oh, I know. It's just I am counter lady who was clocking in her brain that I was an idiot. Do you not know what to do? Me, trying to save face. What? I totally know what to do. It's just I don't have any envelopes at home. So, counter lady, there are envelopes on the shelf right next to you. Me. Right, right. So, do you guys sell stamps in singles or counter lady, who was now over it big time? The envelopes are prepaid. See that picture in the corner? That's the stamp. Me. Oh, I thought that was just like a picture showing you where the stamp should go. Counter lady. No, it's not. Do you want to buy the envelope? I bought the envelope. Then I made my way over to the desk to write the weird .com free address on the front. Again, I was lost. How am I supposed to know how to format an address without Microsoft Word? I saw a young guy next to me who looked equally confused. We gave each other an encouraging look as if to say, don't worry, you're almost through this. Ten minutes later, after solving the Goodwill Hunting-esque address formatting riddle, I lined up again so I could send this bloody letter. They need to check it or something, right? The counter lady, about to explode. Is there a problem? Me, beaming, extremely proud of myself. No, I just want to post my letter. Counter lady, 
didn't I say before you could just put it in the box outside? Me. All right, so you don't need to, like, approve it or something? Counter lady, officially over my clueless bullshit, just give it to me. I gave it to her. Counter lady, exasperated pause. This address says reply paid. Me. Worried I had failed at cracking the address code. Um, I just copied it straight down. Did I do it wrong? Counter lady. No, it's just, don't you know what reply I paid means? It means you don't have to pay. You just put it in the envelope they gave you and they pay from their end. Did they send you an empty envelope? Me. Yeah, but I didn't have any stamps, so I chucked it. <laughs> Counter lady. You know you could have just posted this without coming to the post office. Me. I'm not sure I know anything anymore. Hold me. I left the letter in her capable hands and contemplated my complete ineptitude in life all the way home. I knew a big part of my problem was that I had no idea how to interact with adults. When it became clear at Mamma Mia that my writing was popular and I might be a draw to advertisers, my boss Mia tried to take me to some meetings and send me to functions with other industry people. I would spend the entire time in virtual silence, wondering how all the women managed to walk in such high heels without falling over. Then I'd start to worry that I wasn't talking enough, so I'd drop some inevitably awkward TV-related line like, so anyone see that dude get knifed in the balls on Game of Thrones this week? That was intense. I could never tell if they were more perplexed by the fact I had mentioned knife balls or that I was a 27-year-old woman still using the word dude. I also still carried a backpack, which I could tell caused Mia actual physical pain every time she saw it. I'd also recently come to the realisation that I had no clue how to maintain a house, or, in my case, an apartment that could also be considered a modestly-sized walk-in wardrobe by a rich person who buys diamond collars for their purebred teacup bulldogs. I only realised toilets weren't self-cleaning when the inside of mine started to turn black from too much poo residue. I ignored the problem for as long as I could and was literally just about to buy a new toilet when I thought I'd check with my sister. Oh, hey, Re, by the way, we'd been on the phone for about half an hour, talking about all the times mum had called us drunk and told us she hated us that week. If your toilet has, you know, stopped cleaning itself, how do you, like, fix that or clean it or whatever? Rosie, are you asking me how to clean a toilet? Rhiannon asked. Yes, I said, hanging my head in shame. That is what I am asking. Oh my God, does this mean you've never cleaned your toilet the whole time you've been living in that apartment? That's fucking gross. Well, I just thought it cleaned when you flushed it, like how you don't have to wash towels because your body is clean when you get out of the shower. Do you not wash your fucking towels? What the fuck, man? That's so disgusting. You are fucking gross, Rosie. But if your body is already clean when you get out of the shower, then why would your towel ever be dirty? Rhiannon sighed down the phone. I seem to make a lot of adults sigh. Unlike me, having a kid when she was 19 forced Rhiannon to grow up pretty fucking fast. She was scheduling dentist appointments and organising after-school care. I was still drying myself in what were apparently towels covered in mini bacteria colonies. And it had probably been about 10 years since I'd been to a dentist, since I'd basically stopped going when government-allocated adults stopped organising it for me. Rhiannon explained that I needed to get something called toilet cleaner and use that to scrub what was now the almost entirely black coating around the inside of my toilet bowl. Wait, I have to put my actual hand inside the actual toilet to clean it, I said, horrified. This coming from the girl who's probably never washed a towel in her fucking life, Rhiannon said. Fair call. I wondered if she would book a dentist appointment for me. 
Besides the post office debacle and my complete lack of domestic knowledge, including cooking skills, mine had pretty much never expanded further than Rosie's chicken soup and using the oven to heat up my filthy bacteria towels in winter, I realised I really had no clue what it meant to be an adult the day I learned about money. The day I learned about money sent me into a complete and utter existential crisis, the likes of which I hadn't felt since I found myself sitting on top of that dirt mound about to get licked by a girl who smelled like cheese. I started to make some money, or at least a little bit more than student-slash-retail money, when I realised I had been born with a savant-like skill for writing recaps for a little reality TV show called The Bachelor. I never quite understood where the skill came from or why it struck such a chord, but as soon as I started writing a weekly satirical review of the show for Mamma Mia, my popularity as a writer exploded, something I always felt guilty about since all I did was watch the show and write down what happened. I mean, come on, it's The Bachelor, the jokes pretty much write themselves. The post started getting hits in the millions. The Mamma Mia website would break whenever one was published. I was getting recognised in the supermarket. Companies were sending me piles of free stuff. And then came the pay rise to thank me for being born with the very specific skill of being able to write funny bitchy jokes about The Bachelor, Mamma Mia gave me a pretty hefty pay rise. And finally having some money made me realise that I have a very limited understanding of where that money was going. Not in a, oh whoops, I felt really rich on payday and shouted everyone in the bar kind of way, but in an actual logistical, how does the financial system work kind of way. I basically realised I had no freaking clue how banks work. I honestly just assumed that I put my money in the bank and it stayed there until I needed it, in a setting not unlike a vault at Gringotts or Scrooge McDuck's basement. It's just one of those things I never really thought about until I thought about it. I'd taken for granted that it all works and the rest of the details were none of my concern, like how cows turn into burgers or how getting a manicure is so cheap. It was a co-worker, unnamed by request, who made me realise there was yet another damn part of being a functioning adult I knew nothing about. She kicked off my panic by asking, When you transfer money online, who physically transfers it? Are there like truck drivers or something? This immediately made me look up from my desk. Good fucking question. Obviously, I understood that the money isn't shipped around in trucks every time you pay an online bill. Sorry, anonymous co-worker, even I knew that much. But when you transfer money online, where does it go? Does online money even exist? Apparently, it doesn't. Upon being informed of this, I proceeded to lose my mind in an if-a-tree-falls-in-the-forest-slash-existential-crisis-slash-where-does-space-end kind of way. Here's how the conversation went down with my incredibly patient and intelligent boss, Jamila, who couldn't believe that she'd just caught two employees pondering whether internet money is transferred in trucks. Me. So hold up, hold up. Is there a physical piece of money for every online piece of money that gets exchanged online? Jam, now questioning my employment status. You mean like an actual piece of plastic with a number on it that one person hands to another person who hands it to the business you're buying something from? No, Rosie. But I spend most of my money online. How could it not be real? Well, you're thinking about cash money as if it's something that has inherent worth. It doesn't. Money is simply a metal or plastic symbol of value. It's a construct that allows us to measure the worth of various goods in comparison to other goods for the purpose of exchange. Nowadays, Western society tends to use electronic funds. So yes, there is a finite amount of physical money in circulation, but there is no requirement to actually have that sitting in a little box somewhere with your name on it. Wait, so 
wait. You're telling me if I get paid and then I pay a bill online, that money never existed? It was just a concept? What kind of hippie philosophical bullshit is that? It's my money. Jamila was losing patience now. It did exist, Rosie. It doesn't have to be something that is physically passed around, though. Anyway, even if there was a physical cash representation of every cent you had sitting in the bank, the bank would still be loaning it out. It's not just sitting in a giant pile somewhere. But if the money doesn't actually exist, Jam, what happens if everyone goes to the bank and wants to get their money at the same time? Doesn't the bank have a responsibility to make sure everyone's money is available? Jamil, it's like everyone in the room seems bored right now, but this fucking spun me out. You have no idea. Jamila. Well, that's called a run on the bank, Rosie. Think about what's been happening to the Greek economy in the last few years or in Argentina a few decades back now. The problem they had is that people were so concerned about the constantly changing value of their money, this is called inflation, Rosie, that they became distrustful of the banks. But when huge numbers of people are going to the bank all trying to withdraw funds at the same time, the bank won't necessarily have the cash on hand to cater for that, so you want to prevent that sort of situation occurring. What? But it's our money jam. Where is all the money? Rosie, the bank takes people's money and invests it or loans it to other people. That's the whole point of a bank. But I didn't give them permission to do that. Well, you did, Rosie, when you signed up to the bank and they pay you for letting them use your money while you don't need it and that's why you get interest on your savings. That's the bank basically paying you back for letting them use your money for other things for a period of time. Me losing my mind. But how can they invest my money and still have the money in my account when I need it? What if when I go to the bank to withdraw $100, they're like, Soz Rosie, your moolah is kind of tied up in amalgamated building society stock right now. We'll let you know how it goes. Jamila was silent. Me. And what if they lose it? What if they invest my money and lose it? I get like four cents a year in interest on my savings. What if they lose all my money and they're just like, well, we were giving you that four cents a year, so you knew the risks. Jamila. Okay, Rosie, maybe let's try a simpler tack. Do you remember what happened in the movie Mary Poppins when the little boy started yelling that the bank wouldn't give him his money back and then all the people thought the bank was in trouble and wanted to withdraw their funds? Me freaking out and ignoring Jamila completely at this point. So let me get this straight. Money is just a concept. The money I earn doesn't actually exist. Everybody gives the bank their non-existent money, which is then hypothetically sent on hypothetical investments, which means the bank doesn't actually look after everyone's money. They just hypothetically send it away. So if everyone wanted their money at the same time, the bank wouldn't have it. And if the bank invests badly on your behalf and loses everything, the hypothetically non-existent money becomes actually non-existent and then it's gone and too bad and that's it. Jamila. Um, yeah, sort of. What? Our money is resting on a house of cards, people? How is this legal? Well, if you want to have your money in a bank, Rosie, that's what you've agreed to. Can't I just say to them, look, guys, I want to keep my money here, but I don't want you doing anything fancy with it. I'll pay fees and whatever, but I want my physical money here in a box with my name on it. When I put my money in, it's in. When I take my money out, it's out. And I'm going to do random cash spot checks to make sure it's all there and there hasn't been any funny business. Jamila, well, you're basically describing the equivalent of a shoebox under your mattress, Rosie. 
Well, maybe that's where we're at now, Jam. I suppose I was lucky to end up where I did, surrounded by a lot of people who were willing to take the time to explain the ins and outs of adulthood to me. And considering just a few months before starting at Mamma Mia, I had gotten so drunk I woke up to find that I had shat the bed, I certainly had a lot to learn. A 27-year-old who drinks so much she shits herself is hardly the epitome of adult behaviour. I didn't think it was possible, by the way. I mean, I can understand peeing the bed because all that takes is for your bladder to get a little too relaxed. But to shit the bed, you've actually got to push the shit out. At some point in the night, I must have woken up and decided that I couldn't be fucked going to the toilet. At some point during the night, I had weighed up the options and decided that sleeping in my own shit was worth it if it meant I got to stay in my bed. I clearly had some growing up to do. I'd been out drinking with Jacob, and when we drink together, we don't mess around. It's usually eight solid hours of wine and bitching about how unjust it is that people we don't like are doing way better at life than us. I don't remember the moment when I'd had one drink too many, but I do remember I felt completely fine until I went to the toilet. I'm a firm believer in the theory that you can never truly know how drunk you are until you're sitting in a toilet cubicle alone. That's when you realise how much the floor is spinning and how you can't get your eyes to focus on the love poem Tammy wrote about Corey's sexy rat's tail in 2002. You go into that cubicle feeling like you could take over the world and you leave it barely able to walk. I wobbled over to Jacob and told him the night was over. The I'm about to vomit look on my face meant he knew I was serious. He made sure I got home safely. I crawled into bed and puked on the floor next to me, a problem that I decided to leave for future Rosie to take care of. I passed out in what was certainly one of the more attractive moments of my life. I woke the next day, mid-afternoon. When my brain realised it had survived the ordeal, it began to focus on the room around me. I was lying virtually exactly as I had fallen asleep, face down, on the mattress, naked. The previous evening's spew surprise had dried onto the carpet. I looked into the mirror that was adjacent to the bed, thinking that the sight of my hungover, naked body would at least shame me enough into getting up. That's when I saw it. What the fuck is that? I thought, as I looked at the little pile of brown positioned perfectly on top of my bum. I was still too hungover to process what was happening. I was squinting into the mirror, looking at my reflection, trying to figure out what on earth was stuck to my butt cheeks. Is that... is that a mouse? I suddenly panicked and reached back to slap away whatever was sitting there. That's when reality kicked in. Why, Rosie, would there be a fucking mouse sitting on top of your ass? You shat yourself, you fucking gross bitch. You got so drunk last night that you shat the bed. The fact I now had shit on my hand from where I'd just tried to slap a mouse away made it abundantly clear that even thinking it could be a mouse was, in fact, ridiculous. I lay still on the bed, defeated. I was naked on my stomach. There was shit between my bum cheeks. (laughs) Mum looks so unbreathed. Everyone in the room is laughing and mum is just looking at me like, I can't believe you're my daughter. (laughs) Hey, this bit killed it in my stand-up show. They loved it. I acted the whole thing out. (laughs) I lay still on the bed, defeated. I was naked on my stomach. There was shit between my bum cheeks and all over my right hand. It's nearly over, Mum. There was dried vomit on the floor next to me, and the mirror that ran alongside my bed meant I was forced to look at myself in one of my most shameful moments. I reached over to my phone with my left hand and dialed Rhiannon's number. 
Ray, I said. I need help. What is it? Where are you? She sounded panicked. I'm in my bed and I'm lying on my stomach and there's shit all over my bum. What? Whose shit? My shit? Whose shit do you think would be on my ass, you sicko? I got really drunk and shut the bed and now I'm stuck here because as soon as I turn over or try to get up, it's going to go everywhere. Help me. I heard nothing but hysterical laughter from the other end of the phone. You're on your own, freak, she said. Just get up and try not to touch it. But I already touched it. I thought it was a mouse on my bum. Why the fuck would there be a mouse on your bum, Rosie? You're the one who asked me whose shit it was. I'm hungover. Well, you're going to have to get up sometime, she said, laughing as she hung up on me. It took me a good half hour to muster the strength to take care of the situation, all while promising myself that I would never get that drunk again, which, of course, I have many, many times. But I've yet to wake up to another poo surprise, which only suggests growth, in my opinion. I may not know how to cook. I may not know how to carry a conversation with adults that isn't about television. I may not know how to clean a toilet or how banks work or how to post a letter. But I've only ever pooped once from being drunk. And that seems pretty grown up to me. (laughs) You just seem so bored. And unimpressed and uninterested in that chapter, Mum. Oh, it's is it because it's not about you? Stupid bloody <coughs> chapter. Why stupid? Because it makes me look stupid. No, and there are, and and you're definitely lying in those two. What do you mean? Bloody, you don't know how to clean a toilet. I didn't know. Come I thought, on! I thought the toilet cleaned itself when you, you flushed it. You grew up in a house where there's a toilet cleaner next to the toilet forever. I didn't. Why what would the I hell? even take notice of what that is? All I knew is that sometimes you put that little oh, thing in it that made bullshit. the water blue. You lied. I'm not lying. Ridiculous. I didn't know. I thought. You did know and don't pretend. Mum, I'm not pretending. And then you don't know the way banks work. Okay, excuse me, did you know that money is just a concept and it doesn't actually exist? I'm sorry, but I don't think many people know that. Mm. If everybody went to get their money at the same time from the bank, the bank wouldn't have it. Because money's just a concept. Money's just floating in the air. Not really. That really spun me out. And I don't think that is... You've got physical money, you know that. Yeah, but Heaps people okay. have we can't. Money. We, I cannot now. We can't apart spend this whole podcast that, talking about how banks work. Apart from that, for God's sake, and you can't lie to your mother. What about you worked for a bank? You worked at St George Bank, and I you're w- telling me you don't know how banks work. No, I what don't. A load I of worked at St George Bank for one week. You still worked for them, and I was just a bank teller, which means people oh, came yeah. in and said, "Can I have this much money?" And I said yes, and I gave it to them. Okay, but all right. I'm talking about the like the overarching concept of of how money works as a philosophical idea, which is that money doesn't actually exist. It's just this thing that we invented to symbolise an exchange of goods that are worth a certain value 
And this is really boring and not what we should be talking about in this podcast, but all I'm saying is, Mum, silly you can't tractor. talk to me. you got to talk to Jamila because Jamila will blow your mind when she she, she studied economics at, like, the London oh. School of Economics. So, like, oh. she knows this shit. And when she explained it to me, I got really nervous just about the very fabric of society and how very easily it could collapse. Okay? When you learn about how banks work, you get nervous. Mm-hmm. Mm. Why do you think it's a stupid chapter? People love that chapter. Do they? Yeah, because it's me admitting all the stuff that I don't know that you, when you're a kid, you assume when you're an adult, you'll know all these things. And then you're an adult and you're like, wait, I'm an adult now and I don't know shit. And I think a lot of people are weird about admitting that, mum. No, I just, I don't believe that you don't know how to clean a toilet. And Did you ever teach me? You do it automatically. You see it every time you go to the toilet. The toilet brush. Well, but if you don't... The toilet But cleaner. if you live in your own apartment, unless you buy the toilet brush and the toilet cleaner, it's not there. Oh, don't. Silly. I can't believe this. You're getting really tied up on me lying I'm in not. this particular chapter. I'm not. I didn't know it's how to just clean another, a toilet. It's just another lie. That's all. A lie. Okay, yeah. Oh, you're getting a bit. Yeah, <laughs> you're getting a bit combative in our second last chapter. I'm not being combative. This whole time you've been like, it's not lies, Rosie, just different perspectives, and now you're like, stop lying. Uh, uh. Should have been like this the whole time. It would have been way more interesting. I thought it was it was interesting anyway. Do you believe that I didn't know how to post the letter? Because a lot, that was actually, I wrote that as a column for Mamma Mia when I was working there. Well, you know, they're actually, I've actually heard people ring up and they have grave concerns for the younger people. They won't know how to post a letter. You mean people calling up the radio? They No, these younger people won't know how to post a letter. Yeah, right. You mean when you listen to the old farts you listen to on the radio no, talking about the younger to. people? ABC, whatever. I, I listen. listen to- <laughs> I listen to all different um, radio stations. When I wrote that chapter, like that chapter was originally a column I wrote for Mamma Mia because I went to post this letter. It was probably for Centrelink. I don't even know what. Um, and I thought it was so funny that I didn't know what to do and that the woman at the counter was really exasperated with me and, and like, I was just a fucking idiot and then I didn't even need to go in because I'd already had a replied plate envelope that I didn't understand. And so I just thought it was really hilarious. And so I came into Mum and Me the next day and I told them all this hilarious story of the post office and they were like, that's really funny, you should write that. And so I wrote it. It's probably the meanest anyone has ever been to me about any article I've ever written ever, except for when I said I hate giving head jobs. Like, I had one girl write an entire <laughs> article about how she thought I should die. What? After reading <gasps> that I said I didn't know how to post a letter. It was like, you're giving millennials a bad name. You're making us all dumb. Like, don't put yourself in with the rest of us just because you're a fucking idiot. And I was like, God, like, guys, I had a rough childhood, okay? Like, don't know how to post a letter. Fuck. Like, people were so mean to me. Like, on tw- it, was the, it was probably the first time I've ever been um, massively targeted on Twitter. Really? 
Yeah, by people. And people I really respect, respect like, really <laughs> smart writers and, and people, like, who I admired and comedians and stuff. Like, I mean, obviously the... It's a bit hyper. It's a bit hyperbolic. Like it's, you know, I. It's meant to be a funny article. Mm, like mm. I was being a bit facetious, but the essence of the article was true. I went in there. I had no idea what to do. The lady got really annoyed at me. I was like, I didn't know what to do. I hadn't posted a letter in. I couldn't remember the last time I'd posted a letter. I'm sure I had at one point in my life because you used to make me send thank you notes to, like, people when they sent me birthday presents. So like. I, but people were so mean to me on Twitter. Like, it was for, like, two days. It was relentless. This fucking idiot girl at Mamma Mia wrote about how she doesn't know how to post a letter. She should die. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I got, Mum. Mm? And so I used the rough childhood excuse, which I use for quite a few things. <laughs> I use it all the time. It gets you out of everything. Oh, even posting a letter. Oh, anything. Like, when you're at dinner and there's, like, one dumpling left and everyone wants it. Oh, come on, Rosie. I, just, I look at it and I'm like, you guys, my dad died. Oh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> no. And they give it to me. No. Jokes around my friends, but I think still deep down they actually feel bad. They're like, yeah, take the dumpling. <laughs> <laughs> my mom abandoned me, you guys. Come on. Hey, I should try. I should get something positive out of it. Don't you think, Mum? Yeah. yeah. You, you could use you it. You already have. You've written a book. Oh, it's, yeah, but that's... It's critically acclaimed. But that's something I had to do for myself. <laughs> when you want other people to do shit for you, you say, oh... Oh, yeah, like last night, Mum, I really need you. <laughs> I just lay down and I was about to do a bit of reading in bed and she goes, Mum, I really need you. So I Oh, Rosie. So I get up out of bed and I go into her room. I need the remote. It's over there. <laughs> I didn't know you were in Bitch. bed. I thought you were Bitch. still up walking around. No, I wasn't. And I was like, look, when you have oh, to get God, something, what does she need? the person in I've bed had to go and help her. is the priority. The person already in bed should oh, have to get right. up. You're always in bed, Yeah, though. I know. It's my, it's well, my favourite place. On the but, bed. But, like, I didn't know you were in bed, all right? You thought it was hilarious. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I needed to turn the volume down for you so the TV wouldn't be loud oh, for yeah. you. I was being thoughtful. Oh, yeah. Get me out of bed to turn it down for me. Do Very you, thoughtful. Do you think, having been living with me for the last few months, Mum? It's been hell. <laughs> yeah, okay, thanks. Yeah, just for you. <laughs> um, no, you've been living with me for, what, six On months off, now? yeah, yeah. Do you think Descent, that, yeah, descent, yeah. Do you think that I'm Except a functioning adult? Not really. Well... I pay the rent. Yeah, you pay the rent and everything. I make good money. I pay the bills. But I have to say, I have virtually given up. I haven't washed a single dish since you've been living with me. Because I leave well, that for you. Well, I know. And no, before you I did mean, it, God, before went, you did it, Antonio did it. So I, I haven't washed a dish at, in like 10 years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I went, I went, you know how I went back to Alice Springs. Yes. Went back there for, um, what, six weeks. And I came back and like... Every single dish is stacked up on the sink, dirty. 
I swear to God, every single dish. No, I hadn't left dishes and there for six weeks. It was like in the week. She keep, and Rosanna, she keeps on buying forks from Kmart, <laughs> these gold forks. For some reason, they keep disappearing. And I swear to God, you're so lazy. Instead of washing them, you throw them away. <laughs> They did, just disappear. Like you I bought two sets already. I didn't just leave the dish there for six you weeks. Throw out the fork. It was just that in the week before I knew you were coming back, I was like, well, I don't have to wash the dishes this that week. That was more than a mum worth, the, Rosanna. No, it wasn't. Mum, I do not appreciate this session more turning from. into stories about how gross I am, all right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that last Although, chapter's telling us how gross you are. Yeah. Bloody hell. In a fun-loving way. This is fun-loving. Roasting's meant to be fun-loving, not mean-spirited. This is fun-loving. It's the real Rosie. Also. Uncovered. I, I real... still don't understand, and I will, I will not understand this until the day I die, yeah. how towels get dirty if you're clean when you get out of the shower. Don't be silly. Because they then get damp and they then get... But you like, dry them. Yeah, but That's they then get no. They then get like mouldy smelling. You know, you know, you know how no, they, they do it. Don't. And when you dry yourself, you're rubbing all all dry skin off your body. No, because Dill. you just washed it off in the shower. No, then when you dry, you got more skin coming off. I don't think so. And I don't use the and towel. I think it, and I'm the only one who washes the towels. Incidentally. Well, yeah, because. Once a week, they all get thrown into the um, washing washing machine. Yeah, I know, because I think that they're clean <laughs> just from using them when you get out of the shower. Mm, no, I don't know. And I don't use it on like my that. private parts because I'm a genius and I use my hairdryer for that. Leg spread. You do not. Yes, I do. You've got to be joking. No, it's the best. It gives it a thorough dry. <laughs> Otherwise, it feels a bit... I hate putting on undies when you still feel like there's water stuck to your pubes. Like, i got to blow dry them. Oh, right, I'm Rosie. single, boys. Oh, <laughs> God oh, Why can't I find a man? <laughs> I think maybe this is why. <laughs> oh, what else was in that chapter? Oh, yeah, when I shat myself and Rhiannon abandoned me. Wouldn't help me. Serves you right. Did you know I didn't actually put this in? I would have abandoned What I actually well. had to do, I was, um, it was a big day though. It wasn't just any drinking day. It was actually Jacob and I had graduated university. And so we had like, it was, it was a big party day. It wasn't just like a Friday. Like I was epic. Probably one of the drunks I've ever been. And, um, and I, I didn't put it in there, but afterwards I was live. It was when I was living in uni housing at UTS, and mm. so I lived with three other people. Oh, and, I remember that place. Yeah. And I had to. And the bathroom. You know, we all shared a bathroom, and the bathroom was across was the living room. So and crowded. And so I had to get up, and I like put a towel around <gasps> me, but I didn't want poo to get on the towel. And then I had to like quickly hobble kind of half naked through the apartment, hope that no one would come out and quickly jump in the shower so I could wash all the shit off my ass. I still don't understand how it's medically possible to push out a poo. You don't. It's the peristaltic, um, you know, well, that's what your bowel does. It's peristaltic action. I don't know. What does that mean? Well, you don't no. have to even try. It happens Nurse automatically. 
It happens automatically. Then why don't we just shit the bed every night? Because you probably had diarrhea because no. alcohol um, does give you diarrhea. It wasn't diarrhea. It was a solid poo. That's why I thought it was a mouse. It was like the poo had just pushed up out All of right, my bum. All right, then. Don't and then go into the details. Like it was a little perfect oh. poo. So it wasn't diarrhea. Okay, okay, okay. So it wasn't like I just got really sick or something. It was like right, okay. at some point during the night. Maybe I was drunk and I woke up and I thought, I really need to poo. Oh, and then enough. I thought, and I hope not to, because oh, what kind God. of person does that mean I am that I grubby. stayed in bed? Very grubby that indeed. I stayed in bed and <laughs> shat myself because I couldn't be bothered walking five metres to the toilet. What kind of daughter <laughs> did you raise? <laughs> this is the ramifications of your drinking and Mental illness, mum. You raised a daughter who shat herself in bed. <laughs> Do you think I can blame you for that? No. <laughs> yeah, I really can only blame myself. It was a messy evening. Coming up in our very last episode... Are you resentful that I created a bestseller out of stories that made you look pretty bad? Absolutely not. Really? You're not? No. I think it's, I think it's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> what on earth would I be resentful? Well, I don't know that I... I've made, I've made mistakes. Yeah. I, need, I know that. Yeah, but I just... And they're, they're amplified in some of those chapters. I know, I I know that as well. I disagree. I disagree. But sure. <laughs> okay. Well, That's what this whole podcast is about. Yes, all right. But I think it's fantastic. This is Mum Says My Memoir is a Lie. Recording assistance by Felix Bray. Audio production by Nick Slater. Executive producer is Jamie Show. Listener.